dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez. I'm here with Source and we are ready for finals football. We've had the All-Australian 22 announced last night. We're here on a Friday night. Uh, beautiful day, even if the weather isn't as good, but it's a beautiful day because finals are starting, even if they aren't in Victoria, Source. Thanks, Pez. Yeah, uh, it's got nothing to do with the weather, Pez. The vibe in Melbourne, even though the finals aren't in Melbourne, is everyone is up and about for finals. There's a big clash. Uh, well, there's four big clashes across the weekend, and normally there would be a buzz around the city with the excitement. Normally that game is, you know, Thursday night in at the G or Thursday, Friday night at the G. We haven't got that buzz for the game in Melbourne, but there still is an incredible buzz for an exciting final series. Probably one of the closest that they're going to say this over and over and over again through the series that we've had in a, in a long time. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a ripper. We've got teams playing home finals at neutral venues and all this uh, COVID stuff. Where we know Richmond were the premiers last year in 2020, and there's going to be a new premier for the first time since 2018, which is uh, exciting for all those teams in it because you've got eight clubs. You're you're travelling to you don't really know where, and uh, if a team, as we know, plays great footy for a month, they can hold up the premiership cup at the end of this very tough AFL season. Very tough, Pez. And what's also exciting is that, you know, this final series, we have four um, four contenders that, well, I don't know if they're contenders or not. We've got four play, four teams uh, participating that didn't participate last year. You've got Essendon, GWS, Sydney, and ladder leaders, Melbourne, all having, um, you know, did, weren't, didn't play finals last year and had a big uh, 2021 season and, and making an appearance in uh, the finals. Yeah, make an appearance in the finals and uh, those those teams dominating the appearances, obviously, in the All-Australian 22. So, Source, you had a look at the team and, you, you know, did you watch the show last night with all the announcements and the jackets getting handed out? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know what? Because it took me five minutes to uh, to look it up this morning and uh, or, and you know get the notifications on Twitter last night, rather than sit through three or four hours of me getting frustrated for people getting announced and uh, not uh, you know not not coming into fruition of what I, I thought. Uh, actually, do you know what though? I, I say that Pez because this is the first year where I look at this side and I looked at the forty. You know, we looked at the forty in pretty close detail on uh, Tuesday night, and the selection selectors did a, a pretty decent job across. The board, I thought, uh, you know, it was uh, one of those years where there were, I thought, uh, clear standouts within the twenty-two. Uh, but I think they did a pretty good job in, in picking this side. Listen to you uh, backtrack a little bit, saying, "Oh, I don't know, I was frustrated." Oh, now I actually like it. No, I said, "Normally, now. I'm frustrated." That's what I've said. Normally, I'm frustrated. Now, normally, I am super frustrated and hate talking about all Australian. But uh, this year's source, uh, I think they've done the best job that they could do because they've actually put players uh, in positions. They've had they've got four defenders and they've got two uh, offensive running halfbacks there. They haven't just stacked midfielders on the, the half-forward flanks and the half-back flanks like they usually do. They've got genuine players that can either play forward or play in defence. So I'm really happy with that. And one thing I'm really unhappy with is the naming of a second Ruckman. 
again. Yeah, Pez, it's one of your pet hates. It's one of those uh, things that you definitely argue um, a great case for. But we spoke about this um, the other night. I don't think that the team is needing of two Ruckman. We spoke earlier before the show. You've got members like, you know, Tomahawk or you've got Stephen May, Jack Lever, but even Aaliyah Aaliyah that could spend some time as a backup Ruckman. And Max Gorn has shown throughout Melbourne's uh, you know dominant season this year that they don't need a second standalone Ruckman. And especially when, if you're playing Max Gorn as your dominant Ruckman, you're not playing the same brand of football that you would be if you had Nick, Nick Natnui in there. So if they're going from well, a been, Sorry, go. I was going to say, they've been playing with the secondary ruckman of Luke Jackson, who's, you know, won the Rising Star and, and played really, really well. So not a, a genuine uh, number two ruckman like uh, uh, some other teams play, but in an all-Australian side, you, you don't need it. You are, If you are going to play against anyone, um, you're not really going to need a, a second ruckman. And I think it's just an opportunity to give these uh, these Ruckman an, an extra spot. So they've got two spots there that they can go into. And we know there's only really two or three Ruckman that play for every team. Whereas you look at the midfielders, you've got 11 or 12 midfielders that will play uh, and then you've got one less spot for a midfielder. So I think that interchange spot could be um, uh, served for the midfielder spot and not to have just a second throwaway Ruckman and Nick Natanui did his third uh, All-Australian Guernsey on uh, reputation alone, pretty much. Yeah, and, and, you know, we we discussed that he did have a good season, but it's one of those things, Pez, it seems to be the only position that is actually recognised in this squad because we've seen in years past where they've had, you know, a a, a forward line or a a defence line stacked with midfielders and, you know, players being played out of position. And uh, as you've said, there's no need for a second ruckman. You could easily utilise another, you know, another ruck spot. Sorry, another ruck spot there, another uh, midfield spot. You could even put one of those sort of floaters, someone like, you know, Rory Sloan, who comes from the, you know, does a bit of the back work, does a bit of forward, you know, a bit of a, a utility player rather than a standalone Nick Natanui, who realistically, when he goes forward, he doesn't really make as much as impact uh, than Max Gorn. If you had the other way around, you know, Nick Natanui had the better season with Max Gorn, you might be able to argue on the form this year that they've had that you could use him better in that forward line or in defence, but this way, and they've structured it, he's not a utility player. No, definitely not. So what we'll do here, Sauce, is we'll go through each line. Um, we'll go defence, mid, forward and so on and we'll just say what we agree with and is if there's anything you'd change and if you're going to change something you know, as always you've got to throw a name out there who you'd actually replace them with so we'll start with uh, defence we've got uh, from the back pocket Jake Lever, Stephen May named the fullback and Tom Stewart as the other back pocket any, uh, any arguments there? No, I don't think there's any arguments, Pez. We had, the, you know, I'll go through the discussion that we had in our pre-show. Tick, tick, tick. I think, um, and I think it's really stiff that those three players were so dominant this year in those positions. Because the only player that would be stiff would be Jacob Wiedering. But you know, if you're measuring up those, you could, you, you know, you you measure them up against Jake Lever and Stephen May, or, or against Tom Stewart, and record comes into it, and those three definitely dominate with record. Yeah, so the, we we agree with those. Um Wiedering's an interesting one because he's probably not going to play the role of a Jake Lever or Tom Stewart. So he's going to have to take the spot of Stephen May or our centre-half back in Alira Lear. So you've got to toss up between those three players for two spots. So that's the that's the tough thing when players miss out on this 22. But we've got Bailey Dale, Alira Lear, and then Daniel Rich on the other half-back line. Yeah, I love Alira getting his first Guernsey and there was a really good article in the paper uh, today about his, you know, his journey from uh, East Sudan to, to Australia and how he's, you know, made himself and easily the recruit of the season. Daniel Rich, I thought he had a really great season and, um, you know, we spoke about this on a Tuesday night 
that uh, he was deserving of an All-Australian. The one that I can't get my head around, but I don't have a replacement for him, Pez, is Bailey Dale. I know he had, you know, an anchor in that sort of going forward. I don't have a replacement, so but he's probably the one that I wouldn't, you know, if he had missed it, I wouldn't be um, upset about. Yeah, well, he's booming left boot. I actually, I, I like that line um, myself. The only one you probably could replace one of the halfbackers with, you've got Laird, who I don't think had a good enough season with Adelaide being down the bottom of the ladder. But you've got Salem, and I think um, what cost him as well is all his mates making the side yeah. in, in terms of Lever, Stephen May, and then we've got uh, three other demons that make the side. So they probably didn't want to put all seven in there, and that's why uh, Bailey Dale got the nod um, to make it three Bulldogs in the final 22. Yeah, and you're probably right there, Pez. The unluckiness of having a successful side and good players around you means that when you're that fringe player that you miss out. We get on into our midfield line, Pez, and we'll start things off with uh, something that you were a little bit upset, or not even know if it was upset about, a little bit confused about, with uh, some players named on the wing. Yeah, well, we go Zach Merritt on one wing. Ollie Wines in the centre had a fantastic season and very deserving. And, and then Sam Walsh, a, a very good um, season in the midfield, not on an actual wing, but they've slotted him in up there. I would have probably put um, Jack McRae, who actually runs down the wing a little bit more and switched him for, for Sam Walsh in the middle. But uh, that's a different story. From that centre line there, I agree with Ollie Wines making the side. Sam Walsh definitely makes the side with his stellar season for Carlton. But Zach Merritt, I uh, that's one that would miss out for, for mine. Um, and you'd have to put someone else in there, fit him off the bench. His counterpart, Darcy Parrish, who I think was more damaging for, for Essendon during the year, took Miller. You can put him on the wing up over there. Um, I'd, I'd be happy with anyone else, really. Yeah, I'm much the same, pairs. Ollie Wines had an absolute stellar season. Sam Walsh would have been a lot more fitting within that midfield. Zach Merritt, you know, I, I agree. I don't think he was as damaging in, in Essendon's success. Um, I definitely would have replaced him for his counterpart with Darcy Parrish or uh, Took Miller, um, either of those as genuine midfielders. Um, but you would have to do a shuffle around with Jack McRae there, Pez. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And speaking about Jack McRae, he's on the next line. You've got the Ruckman as Max Gorn. You've got Jack McRae uh, in the midfield there, and you've got Clayton Oliver uh, in the midfield as well. So genuine midfielder there in Oliver. Uh, McRae, if you swapped over for Walsh, I wouldn't mind that. And then Maxi Gorn in the ruck, and also got the uh, big C as well. Yeah, the only thing that I'd change from this line is the big C pairs. I think that the you know that midfield five out of five out of six ain't bad, and you know if they're they're mixing it up, they might spend different stoppages there. But the big C, I, I probably wouldn't have Maxi Gorn there. Um, I th- I know why they've done it because he finished top and he is the actual genuine captain. But I would have had uh, our man Toby Green as the captain pairs. A bit of a spoiler for our forward line. I would have I would have had him there. Um, just for the job that he's done as that standing captain. Very obvious with no crowd around how much impact he has, and he you know no. No Toby Green, no GWS is the, the mantra from uh, Behind the Boundary, Pez. Yeah, well, that's it. And uh, I think it's the mantra for the whole GWS organisation. <laughs> um, and he'll get the captaincy for that club next year, no doubt, in my mind. Uh, we move on to the forward line. We've got Marcus Bontempelli in a half-forward flank along with Christian Petrarca on the other one and Tom Hawkins as, as your centre-half forward there. Yeah, I, lo- I love that forward line, Pez. You can't uh, argue with that one at all. Now, the Bont and Petrarca, you know, they can go in the midfield, but they can actually genuinely play up forward. So they can take their opponent down there. They can be the main target and uh, start to, you know, kick a couple of goals a game. And uh, they're really, really important in clearances and then going up forward and resting as well. And then you've got Tomahawk, who the most unselfish forward in the game and uh, continues to, you know, get his spot. And he, he's kicked uh, 
kicked a lot of goals, but he's also given a lot off. So uh, deserves his spot there. Yeah, finished second in the Coleman with uh, 54 goals, and he finished uh, top 10 for, for goal assists. And, uh, you know, it was the first year in a long time where he's actually uh, hasn't finished number one in goal assists, and someone else who made that forward line holds that title, Pez, and uh, we might get on to the next uh, line of uh, the offence. Well, the next line is your captain, Toby Green. Toby uh, Green. In the forward pocket there. Uh, Harry Mackay, who you can't really argue with because he did win the Coleman medal, and that's usually... Uh, who gets that full forward spot. And then you've got Tom Papley in the other forward pocket. So thoughts on this line? Now, this one is probably the, the, the spot where everyone's probably sitting there going, you know, did Tom Papley have the most consistent season? Let's address the other two first. Tom, Toby Green, Pez, absolute superstar. We, we, we say, I've said, said that he should be captain. He is. Um, he kicks goals. He gives them off. He can go into that midfield if you need. He also is, has that X factor. Um, you can't deny that. Harry McKay, uh, McKay sorry, he, he you know won the, won the Coleman, had um, missed the last three games as well and still won by four, four goals. Absolute genuine full forward. And early on, it looked like he was going to lead Carlton when they were in better form to, to actual final series. So those two players definitely make it. Tom Papley, I think they're a product of Sydney finishing where they finished, six. And the other players that they had for Sydney, Lance Franklin didn't have a great season. Luke Parker was, you know, was gallant, but not compared to the other players that made it. So Tom Papley was the last one there. They can't have someone in the top, top eight not get uh, a player selection. So that's where Tom Papley fits in. Yeah, so uh, Tom Papley does get that spot, but um, the argument that if you're going to, going to replace him uh, is probably you've got to go like for like, so a Jake Stringer type. I think Jake Stringer had a, a much better season and was one of the big reasons that Essendon surged home. You know, those last 15 sort of sort of weeks when they started to put it all together, Pez. Like, I think that he's more, he's, more of a, he's more of a complete player than Tom Papley and his impact for them winning actually drove them to a final series. Nervous, nervous times for Bulldog supporters uh, trying to contain Jake Stringer on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we move on to the interchange bench. We've got Darcy Parrish, Nick Natnui, Took Miller and Jack Steele. Yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that they should have replaced certain players for the interchange because realistically this is any one of those 40 players could have made that interchange. The only one I would argue is that Nick Natanui shouldn't be in there uh, in the team at all and you could pick one of the midfielders to put in there and, and, and fix that spot, Pez. Pick anyone, basically. Do you know who I'd probably pick? Travis Boak. He could really look very nicely on the uh, interchange. No, Travis Boak would look <laughs> nice anywhere on that field, I reckon. Uh, he's, he's a big, uh, big one to miss out, but... You've got um, those type of players. You've got Jack Steele, who St Kilda had a really disappointing season. He's probably going to, you know, collect three votes in a lot of games. And he started kicking goals and things this year. And they probably just wanted to recognise a couple of teams outside that top eight. So that's probably why he, he's in there. Took Miller's in there with that 30-plus disposal record in consecutive games and things like that. But uh, that sums it up for the All-Australian 22. Uh, they're, they're getting a lot better at it than they have in previous years. And, I'm glad they're not just stacking midfielders in the forward line and the back line. Yeah, it is good that they're starting to, to get the formula a bit better. Um, I, I don't know how that you fix the solution so that players, you know, are actually 100% played in that uh, in their actual role because you're going to have that uh, problem, you know, midfielders versus the wings that always seems to happen and some of those half forwards and those half backmen. But this is probably the, the best year that they've done um, in the last, what, maybe 10, 15 years where they've generally had a decent crack and most people are sort of nitpicking when they're, they're talking about the team and, and the snubs. I'm going to use the inverted commas there, snubs. Yeah, the only genuine snub is is one that didn't even make the 40 yeah. in Travis Spoke. So, 
um, hopefully that gives him a bit of fire and uh, it becomes a really good contest tonight. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it doesn't give, hopefully it doesn't give him fired up. Hopefully he's content and he's like, you know what? You're right. I had a terrible season, so I might just hang up the boots. No, nah, it's a it's very good course. <laughs> Even if you do go for Geelong, we want to see a fiery contest uh, in that midfield and then going forward. So, um, first thing we might have to do, Sauce, we've finished the season and uh, our, our cheeky punt, the results are up on our Twitter app behind the bounce. So, we better get into a review of that before we head into the four finals this week. It's no official review. How does it end? Here we are. There's no losing here on Behind the Boundary because for the fourth season in a row source, our regular season, not to say our finals have been losing because they haven't either, but four seasons in a row with a healthy profit from both of us source, not just one of us. Uh, So that is absolutely fantastic. Been in the positive four years running while we've been doing this podcast. Um, And that includes finals as well, but for uh, the end of round 23, that's the end of the regular season and another successful one. So at Behind the Bound, all our results are up there and uh, there's a lot of emojis on there this week, Source. There is, Pez, and it was a bit of a roller coaster ride for us because there were weeks where we were absolutely flying and there was uh, a quick nosedive into the turf and, you know, the emojis have uh, been the, the dominant feature outside of our, you know, obviously winning bets and our high ROI and our cash money, but... Uh, the ROIs this week, there are a few there, Pez, and uh, I know that you've been dying to go through the, the full season one, uh, so let's talk us through what uh, what you've actually done there, Pez. Well, what, what's up there? It's, it looks like we're on fire here. We've got the fireworks up there, we've got the fire, we've got meteorites, we've got dynamite, more fireworks. It's just uh, celebrations all around with the uh, season percentage being uh, super, super high. Before we go into the main emojis, though, for the round, which uh, are always a great topic of discussion. Let's talk about our round 23. So round 23 started off with the Bulldogs and the power source. It did, and uh, this was an absolute cracker of a game, Pez. Um, Port Adelaide dominated actually the whole game, basically, and um, some inaccuracy early and some um, accuracy, obviously, from the Western Bulldogs meant that it took to the last quarter to them to get the lead. Um, I had a three-leg same-game multi, and the only thing that I needed was Port Adelaide to be within five points, as well as Trelaw to get 15, which he tied up pretty easy. Robbie, Gay to, Robbie Gray to get 15 as well. He was amazing, especially in that last quarter, kicking a beautiful goal to put the Port Adelaide in front and as I said Port Adelaide plus five and a half I had the max on that stake pairs $2.67 a nice return of 133 and a half pairs set up my uh round 22 round 23 it's got to set you up and that set you up real nicely especially when uh a lot of people would have been turning off the tv thinking that the Bulldogs had uh got the cake because they look they did not look like losing that game uh with Port Adelaide's inaccuracy early on uh I had a three-leg same game multi Carl Amon 20 disposals, no. Liver, 20 disposals, no. McRae, 30 disposals, no. So uh, $25, no good. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no good for, for, for pairs. We get on to uh, a super Saturday, as a lot of the uh, media outlets are calling it, after three absolute cracking games. Yeah, Richmond versus Hawthorne. Hawthorne giving away a last quarter five or you know five or six goal lead to allow Richmond to come back and... Uh, 
snag a draw, which meant my three-league same-game multi was in great shape. I had Richmond plus 18.5, which during that fourth quarter did not look good, Pez, but able to uh, get that over the line. Sydney, st- Sydney Stack to get 15 or more disposals, he did that. And Jordan Short to keep his uh, his great form since returning from injury in um, great stead with 25 or more. That meant I collected $81.25, Pez. He's Jaden Short wouldn't appreciate that. You bet on him all the time and you can't even get his name right. It says it right there, mate. Yeah, well, I, I, I settle down. I'm so excited from all these emojis. You've got all my uh, – I'm very heightened from Jordan. all the fireworks and stuff. I'm, my eyes are, you know, dazzling Jordan with all that. Jordan Short. Any wonder he didn't get selected in the in the top 40 of all Australian. Oh, no one settle down, Pez. I'm looking at this terrible screen. I'm sick of looking at screens, mate. I'm getting uh, screen fatigue. I need to buy some of those nerd uh, blue glasses. Are they blue light glasses? Well, blue light glasses, they might be they might be good uh, for you. And uh, very lucky on your first two bets there, Sauce. So, Not um, lucky at all. That's come, absolute, come from behind. Absolute skill, that is. Come from behind in the fourth quarter. Very, very good. I didn't have a bet on Richmond and Hawthorne. So we'll move on to Sydney taking on the Gold Coast Suns. This was uh, easily one of my bets of the round. Probably the bet of the year, Pez. I loved this bet so much, and I wish I'd put more on it. I had uh, found a bit of a loophole. Lance Franklin to get the most goals, Group 1. He did that. Lance Franklin, anytime goal scorer. He did that, of course. Lance Franklin, two or more goals. I whacked 25 on it, Pez. I should have gone harder with this one. This was a great bet. You jumped on this in your personal. He ended up kicking uh, five goals for the game, and uh, it was a great collect for me. And another $71.87 into the account. Mate, the story about this one, um, I didn't realise the game time. So by the time I went to actually put it on, the game had already started. Oh, no. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. And I didn't put it on because I wanted to put him on for four-plus goals as well because I thought that he he kicked that. He kicked six in the end, and I was also going to put it on the podcast, but I didn't. I had my four-leg same-game multi, uh, which didn't get the chocolates, uh, no bonus, anything like that. So I had the four disposals there, and uh, not a good start to the round with – Two crosses out of two bets. No, it's uh, it's kind of confusing how we have all those celebration uh, emojis there, Pez. You have not started off the weekend and the first half of our bets slipped very well. All right, we get on to an absolute cracker, Pez. Probably the closest six-goal game you'll ever see. Um, you know, AFL uh, Fox Footy had the uh, little... Um, I guess, what was it? The live ladder in the bottom left-hand corner. And it was a tussle back and forth, not between West Coast and Brisbane, but between Brisbane and the Western Bulldogs. Oh, we had spreadsheets going on on Twitter and people, you know, figuring out if Brisbane are on this score, then West Coast have to be on this score for them to get enough percentage to jump the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs would be disappointed with themselves in the last three weeks of the season to put themselves in a situation not to finish in the top four. Uh, but Brisbane took the opportunity early in the fourth quarter when West Coast kicked the goal. It thought, you looked, all right, Brisbane aren't going to do this. I had Brisbane minus 38 and a half, them head to head, and Daniel McStay to kick the goal. The bottom two things happened, Source, but Brisbane only won by 38 points in the end. So uh, it wasn't to be with that little uh, same game multi there. So a bonus bet to use this week. Yeah, a little bit frustrating, that 38.5, Pez. Uh, I jumped on that line as well, the minus 38.5, and, a half, and uh, to miss that by 0.5 meant I missed a, a bonus bet in that one. I had Grant Birchall, who's been absolutely amazing for me this year, getting his 15 or more. He ended up with 17. But Jared Lyons had a surprisingly um, a surprisingly quiet one. He, he st- st- was stuck on like 12 disposals for majority of the game, and then he came alive in the fourth quarter but couldn't get that 25, um, You know, probably resting for, for this week's big final for the Lions. Yeah, it didn't even get 20 in the end, which was really surprising yeah. for uh, Jared Lyons. But you move on to another game, which had an amazing finish as well. Geelong 
and Melbourne. Geelong were up by around eight goals early in the game and they were absolutely dominating against Melbourne. Uh, you could turn it over to the other game, Carlton GWS, and you, you didn't have to watch. But then in the last quarter, uh, Melbourne ended up coming back and a 50-metre penalty at the end helped Max Gorn captain the side uh, to a minor premiership kicking goal after the siren. Yeah, first one since 1964, Pez, and uh, it's some good omens for, for Melbourne because the the year that the last time that they won the um you know finished top of the ladder and they won the what's it called? Oh my god, minor premiership. The minor premiership. I went absolutely blank then. Uh, the last time that they won that was the same year that they won a premiership, and something else also happened that year. There was Olympic Games that year as well. So those two things have happened. Is that an omen for Melbourne to actually make the premiership? But we will talk about the actual game pairs because this was a cracker and it was a, a tale of two quarters. It was the second quarter when Geelong piled on seven goals from seven clearances in a space of about 10 minutes. And the last quarter where Melbourne almost did the absolute exact same thing. And other than that, the game was even. The game was very even and it puts both teams in a great spot for finals. A bit of a fast-finishing from a Geelong supporter, Pez, and you messaged me Saturday night, I was extremely filthy. A uh, oh, very, yeah. very terrible finish for, for an AFL supporter, for, for both teams. Well, yeah, it was a it was a good finish for, for AFL in general in terms of the excitement that it created and uh, a goal after the siren for that. Max Gorn uh, has missed them before, so uh, he needed to hit that one from uh, 15 metres out, I reckon it was. Uh, I had a four-leg same-game multi, and I thought, geez, I'm... I'm going well with this when Geelong started kicking away in that second quarter. And uh, then I thought, all right, you're kicking, you're kicking too much of a score now. And then when Melbourne started coming back, it was all over for me. I had Geelong minus one and a half. Uh, I was confident in that leg at half time, but didn't come to fruition. I had Jeremy Cameron uh, to kick two plus goals and he kicked two, two. I had Guthrie to get 25 disposals. He got 30 and I had the unders of 145.5 points because I thought Geelong in that second quarter, you get a couple of goals lead and just do what they usually do. Just stop the game and kick it back and forth and control everything and not let Melbourne score, but didn't happen in the end. So two legs end up losing for my cheeky. I had uh, a bonus bet on this one, Pez, and I was exactly like you. I thought I was in home set. I thought I'd add another 50 to the total, uh, but not to be. I had Sam Angola for 20 disposals. He had 25. And Geelong head-to-head, obviously, with that... Uh, interesting you know space of what 10 seconds that was just two bad decisions and a an open max gorn in the forward line which meant a kick after the siren for the win yeah disappointing uh for both of us there with uh, geelong really changing that but it would change the whole scope of what the finals would look like this week as well so we'll see uh if that's a, a good thing that geelong lost or a bad thing we'll, we'll probably be able to tell after tonight i'd say um, the next game was Carlton versus GWS. I had a four-leg same-game multi for this. GWS win, you make finals. It was pretty simple. Uh, Carlton started off and uh, scared GWS for a little bit, but then uh, it didn't happen after that. So I had GWS minus nine and a half, over 147.5 total game points. Kelly for 20 disposals. Walsh for 20 disposals. Easy $2-odd little multi there. Yeah, and you watch this game, Pez, and GWS were never in doubt they were going to win that game. Uh, you were just waiting for Carlton to do Carlton things, and uh, that's exactly what happened. And one of the reasons that uh, Teague, probably disappointingly uh, for him and the way that it's been all handled, got stepped down today because they just can't have any consistency during a game, and they threw away a pretty decent lead against a side that needed to win and make finals. But uh, no chocolates for them, and I had no bet uh, for, for it either, Pez. No, and no bet in the next game, the St Kilda-Fremantle game. 
which I didn't either, but I um, had to put out a live bet again. We know last week I, I bet on Brad Couch to, to get over Luke Dunstan, which he did in the end in a, in a tight battle. But Luke Dunstan being uh, named out of the side, I was messaging you saying, this is really good value here. Brad Crouch against David Mundy, $1.75 for Crouch to get more disposals than Mundy. Now, it's a three-way thing, so that it can't be a, a tie either. You have to win outright. And it was a very, very comfortable win in the end. Brad Crouch had 28 and Mundy had 24, but Crouch had a seven or eight disposal lead uh, towards the end of the third quarter there. So uh, that was a max bet and a, and a good one. Yeah, a great little pickup there, Pez. It's really good when you can get a late out and some of the uh, markets don't shift or they just put another player in there and try and um, try and make up for, for the player that's gone there and exactly what happened and a great little win for you. I had no bet in this one. I was leaning towards Fremantle. Fremantle were extremely disappointing. Win and they make finals uh, or at least keep their dream alive and... They just didn't show up, Pez, not at all. They were extremely dis- disappointing. And I don't know if that uh, projects into next year as well because I was very hopeful for them making finals this year, but uh, very disappointing for the Dockers. Well, they'll just have to argue that uh, even if they won, they wouldn't have made finals because they didn't beat Collingwood anyway. But they were alive because they were before that game and uh, got absolutely spanked by the Saints, so no good there. Next one was Essendon versus Collingwood. Uh, Collingwood could not do anything because Essendon were already in finals because St Kilda had beaten Fremantle. So Essendon just came came in and, and got the easy win over the Pies. Yeah, this one's a really interesting one, Pez. I thought with uh, the, the news that they actually just, uh, they'd already made finals and they didn't need to actually win the game at all and they still would have made finals. Thought that uh, my bet might have been instead here with the plus 22 and a half, Pez, but uh, the, the, sorry, the Bombers came out firing. They wanted to take in a, a nice winning record and get the job done early. I had uh, my cheeky on this one. Darcy Cameron, anytime goal scorer, he did that. Collingwood plus 22 and a half, he didn't do that. And Jack Chris to get 30 or more, he didn't do that either. So I only put $10 on that one, Pez. As I said, that was more of a hopeful cheering for Collingwood to win. So Essendon didn't make finals and uh, didn't work anyway. Well, definitely didn't work there. And I thought I was on, on the money with my bet source that I put out on Twitter. I put a max bet on over 165.5 because I thought no way these coaches are going to go all out defence here because they're not playing for anything. They're going to just go all the way. And uh, at quarter time, it was looking very, very good with nine goals kicked. Uh, even at half time, the Bombers piled on another six and Collingwood got one. So there's 16 goals at half time. And then it slowed down a little bit, slowed down, and slowed down too much for my liking source. It came down to the last five minutes, and I thought, I'm going to cash out for a little $16 profit here uh, because I don't know if this is actually going to go over anymore. We need two scores, and uh, it ended up happening right towards the end of that quarter, but I didn't want to uh, sweat it out there and risk that max bet going out. So made a little bit of a profit on a cash out there. So did you say you cashed out for 16 or you cashed out for 65 well, 66, which is a $16 okay, profit. Yep, sorry, I was not I was a little bit unsure then. I'm like, oh, well, you, I thought you cashed out for 16 bucks, and then you're talking about profit. Settle down there, Pez. Uh, no, no. No, that's, uh, it was, uh, it's good to have that uh, cash out option, and it's good when you know you can sort of see the way the game's been playing and the bookies uh, also haven't, uh, I guess, kept up with the game, and they're allowing you to cash out for a nice profit. So nice job there, Pez. We get on to the next game, Adelaide versus North Melbourne. This was a non-event no, uh, for me because I had no bets, and it was a non-event for, for North Melbourne as well yeah not event north melbourne they didn't have anything to play for uh with the adelaide draw earlier in the season north melbourne couldn't even get over the top of adelaide to you know try and 
get away from the wooden spoon. So congratulations, North Melbourne. You've won something. Uh, <laughs> you won a wooden spoon, which you couldn't do last year. But the Adelaide Crows, I had my bonus stake from my multi last the previous week. $50 bonus bet on Adelaide, minus five and a half to juice up the odds to two bucks. And uh, that was a very easy $50 to be made back. Yes, nice, uh, nice little uh, gem there, Pez. We jump on to our multi for the round. I had a, a great multi, and I was pretty stoked when Port Adelaide got in because that was the roughie in my multi. I had Port Adelaide, Sydney, and GWS, and uh, they all got the chocolates, Pez, which meant another profit for me. 25 on there, $82.63 back in my pocket. Mate, if Port Adelaide couldn't get up there... Your, your round turns around something shocking, doesn't it, looking at that? Yep. <laughs> um, but great great job there with that multi, big multi there. Um, I had my three-leg multi with, with the games I was confident about, Sydney, Brisbane, and GWS at $1.70. So I had no insurance, but they all won in the end anyway. I had the max on it, returned 85. And we look at our round 23 scores. I staked $260 because I piled on, on the Sunday two max bets. Uh, couldn't help myself there. Returned 330 $8.62 for an ROI of 30.23% for the round, which was not bad. Uh, an ROI total, I've staked for this season, $4,515, returned $4,880.17 for an ROI of 8.08% heading into finals. Nice pairs, right where you want to be, just on that 10% mark, and you'll cash that out by the time we get to the grand final pairs and celebrate a nice bigger ROI. For me, for round 23, I staked $160 and returned $369.25. Another week where I've hit an ROI over 100%. $130 for that mark, Pez. Massive ROI for me. Total stake for the year is $3,910 and returned a whopping $4,454.79. An ROI, Pez, 13.93%. And you know what that means, Pez? Means, what does it mean? Means I'm getting some nice little emojis there, Pez. <laughs> Heading for the hotel, but uh, thank you, Port Adelaide, for that 130% ROI. Could have been very different if Bulldogs oh, had to hold on. So, these emojis, do you know what they mean this week, Sauce? Because you've been struggling with them. Well, I'm looking at uh, the yours. You've got the little boat there. Well, it's actually a quite a big boat. <laughs> it's probably bigger than the actual house <laughs> you've got there. Uh, so you're sailing into uh, 10% ROI heading into finals. Yeah, I'm just cruising. It's a cruise ship, ah, so cruise I'm just ship. cruising along. Yeah, and uh, source is the it's 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 the nerd glasses, Pez, because you know I've studied the form, I've hit the mark, and never in doubt. No, incorrect. It's the uh, <laughs> little disguise you get from the reject shop with the mustache. Oh, what? Who who the hell are you getting a hundred and thirty percent? That's not like you. You must be in disguise. Look, look, the, you, the media manager needs the sack, Pez. <laughs> like, you're meant to be, be doing this with no bias, and the moment I do a little bit better than you, and by saying a little bit, a decent whack better than you, you throw in a shade like uh-huh. that. You're, you're a joke, Pez, an absolute joke. The, the, the listeners must be wondering what is going on with Sauce's bet slip because there's too many green ticks and there's usually not. Pez, the last four years, I have beaten you every single year – Minus one once. year. One year you didn't. One year you well, didn't beat me. You know that's incorrect as well. No, so it's you not. Can't be, can't be throwing that. If you've got new listeners here, so <laughs> we can't be doing that. But Jesus. Yeah, you're having a good you season. You need the disguise. 13.93%. You've got your hotel emoji back. You've got two hotels good. there, it's, little, Two little hotels. It's, it's not bombarded. It's there ready to go. So you're going to continue to try and build on it through these four weeks of finals footy. Speaking about finals footy, We've got a huge bet slip 
planned for the week one of the finals. The fact that the size of the bets was relatively small. Our bets with an opportunity about 50 metres out. I was with a mate and um, we were getting, getting sort of ready to leave and he, he said, um, I think I'm going to whack 10 on, on Maxi. Do you want, do you want some as well? And I, I said... Here we are, Source, week one of finals. We are ready to go. We're going to preview the games and go through the ins and outs of these four. We've only got four games to go through, so very, very good. Tonight's game, Port Adelaide versus Geelong, Source. Tell us where it is. Tell us what the odds are. I thought you were going to go through the specials first, Pez. Finster sent you the message, did all the work, and you're not going to go through the specials? I haven't received anything from Finster, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, we might go through the uh, the actual game preview pairs and we'll do the specials at the end. Uh, I don't know if you've used any specials throughout the, the, the thing. Look, if you want to do the specials now, I've done the work, but don't be giving Finster the <laughs> well, credit. He sent me a text message. Sent me a text message. I'll add it if you've missed anything. So let's get to those specials before we uh, preview a massive Friday night clash. Cyril takes a special and goes bang. And he's probably one that would have a uh, points bet account. So I'm sure he'll have something that I've missed because I don't have access to any of those specials. So I'm tipping that that's where it will be. Um, AFL finals in, at Sportsbet, they've got the same game multi savers. Three to four leg multi and one fails, you get a bonus back up to 50. You put five or six legs in there and two legs fail, you still get a bonus um, back up to 50. And if you go seven legs or more, you can have up to three legs fail and still get 50 bucks back in bonus bet. You can have three same-game multis on per game. So um, Sportsbet have gone all out there and trying to get the punters to go really high in the legs there. Uh, the next one is Tab. We've got the AFL final same-game multi special, all games, three-plus legs, same-game multi, keeping it simple over at Tab. And again, exclusive in-offer venue source. So head down to your local oh. Tab in Victoria source. And you put a head-to-head special. If you lead a half-time but lose, you get a bonus bet back up to 50 bucks. So I'm sure you'll be heading into the TAB. Yeah, I might uh, do a nice little uh, quick trip down to Adelaide. and Because uh, <laughs> we uh, can't do it in Victoria because we're locked down. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's uh, very disappointing. But um, $2 lines at Ladbrokes for finals, they've put them on every game. So if you like a line, $2 lines there. Neds also have the $2 lines on any game. And they've got the same game multi, three-plus leg, bonus back special with the price boost for every game. So if you've got, you've got a couple of price boosts per day, uh, you can put that on, uh, even put the price boost on and still be eligible for that bonus back and a little bit of insurance there. Uh, and, and that's all I've got for for this. You didn't receive anything from Finster? Oh, what has he got? Just helping me out. I've already got that one, Finster. I already spoke about sports bet. All right, points bet. You know what happens when I go into points bet and see? It says you do not have any promotions. So I don't do it because what I, I deleted say. the pricks. <laughs> Bulldogs versus Essendon. $2.50 for Bont and McCray to combine 55-plus disposals and Bulldogs to win. No, thank you. <laughs> any wonder we don't throw on there. <laughs> Is that not a rubbish bet? Especially, you know, we know finals football, it's normally a, more of a defensive brand. There's less contested, no, there's more of a contested ball. And, you know, generally players don't get even close to those 30 possessions. They're asking for 55, but not only 55, the dogs to win after, you know, the losing the last two. <laughs> That's a rubbish bet for 250. Yeah, I, I don't like that one at all. So points back can get stuffed again. But there's our specials. We've got our game. 
we can finally go through the odd source, surely. We can, and it's a massive Friday night. We have an absolute cracker. Second playing third, the second qualifying final pairs, but it is being played first, so they will be the first teams to qualify, which is a little bit random. Port Adelaide playing Geelong at Adelaide Oval. The favourites are Port Adelaide $1.70. The outsiders are Geelong $2.16. The line is minus 5.5, and the over-under is 148.5. Yeah, 148 and a half. There you go. Uh, ins and outs. We've got Georgie Artis, who's been injured, and Sam Mays, who's been omitted, who's been, you know, the, the sub for a few games for Port Adelaide. So he's not in their best 22. Aratio Fantasia comes back in after that slight injury he got a few weeks ago. So he's in there, ready to go. The Cats, Holmes omitted, Duncan in, and Higgins out. But I'm sure he'll be the Medi sub again, as he was last week. Yeah, huge in for, for both teams, actually. It's uh, really disappointing that uh, Fantasia is repla- uh, replacing Georgiatis. He's had a great season, and he's really going to, to leave a... I guess if they could have their best 22 in there, Fantasia makes it and Georgiatis makes it, so it's going to put a little bit of a hole in that forward line. Geelong, Mitch Duncan comes in. They're going to give uh, Zach Tui another week to recover from his injury, and you know, I guess that if you're looking and measuring who's had the better ins, Geelong has the better in because Holmes definitely gets out of that side if Duncan's come in. Adds a nice little boost into their midfield and a much-needed one coming back from, uh, you know, a knee injury that's kept him out the last 10 weeks. And, Pez, he was pumped speaking to the media, saying he's been training for this for 10 weeks. 10 weeks. Jeez, he, he would love it because he, he wouldn't have liked that injury, but he's in there ready to go. You hope that all the players that come in are 100% fit because of seeing what happens when you take underdone players into finals. Now, you've got a few things to look at in this game. You've got Port Adelaide playing at home at Adelaide Oval. They haven't really performed against top eight sides and especially top four sides during the year. So, And even at home that they've been losing to those sort of sides. You've got Geelong who are missing Tom Stewart, the All-Australian uh, back pocket there. Uh, he's going to be a big loss. And you're saying that Zach Tui um, as well isn't going to be back. So they've got a little bit of a hole in defence as well. Ge- uh, Geelong and Port Adelaide bring Fantasia back in, who is capable to, you know, pick a small bag of goals as well. So what I've done is I've gone to Ned's, uh, how can I go past that special with the three-plus leg same game multi and the price boost. I've gone the game to be low scoring as uh, some finals usually are. Under uh, 180, uh, 168.5 and alternate points. Uh, then I've gone Geelong. I've given them a plus 10.5 start with my alternate handicap. And I've gone Cam Guthrie uh, to have 25-plus disposals. I think he'll be in the middle there and he'll be a link-up. Uh, it gives me a little bit more value. And I've price boost that at $2.80 and I'll put 25 on it. Nice, Pez. I like that one. Um, it's a really interesting game, this one, because it is two teams that sort of play uh, two different brands of football brands of footy. You know, Port Adelaide, a high-possession team. They like that aggressive ball movement. We saw that last week against the Dogs. They like to go down the guts. Um, and then you've got the Cats, who like to overpossess the football, control the, uh, the footy. They're very patient, and I can't wait to um, to get into this one tonight, Pez. Not only because I'm a Geelong fan, but I think it's a great matchup. And I think that, you know, obviously, um, I think that Geelong has been one of the top sides all year, not just because I go for them. I think that they've you know, definitely been you know in the top four for most of the year. They have got a decent shot of winning it. 
They play well in Port Adelaide. They won there earlier in the year. They beat Port Adelaide there last year. And they gave away a last quarter defeat three years ago um, in, you know, in a similar sort of situation. I'm going with my Cats pairs. Tom Hawkins to kick a goal. And I've got an alternate line of plus 50.5 as well as the regular line on Neds, plus 6.5. So a three-leg same-game multi. And I've whacked the 50 on that with a uh, price boost, Pez. Bumps it up to $2.06. Oh, $2.06. There you go. And uh, Hawkins wouldn't be paying too much to kick a goal, I'd imagine. No, $1.11. <laughs> Dollar, $1.11. The same, so as, Ge- the same as Geelong, plus 50.5. Value hunting there. So hopefully you can actually do it and he doesn't go goalless. But if he does go goalless, um, I guess Port Adelaide have a, have a better shot of winning. Um, so that's our Friday night set source. Uh, a trip to the bottle uh, back home. Watch the, watch the game on the couch. It'll be super exciting. Any any thoughts about this one, Pez? Obviously, you know, it's something that we have talked about all year about Port Adelaide not being to be able to beat, you know, those top, top eight sides. They've had a decent sort of run going into finals and Geelong have lost two of the last three against top eight sides. H- how do they sort of stack up against each other, these sides? I'm... I'm really worried in terms of the hole that Stewart is going to leave in that defence, uh, especially with Fantasia coming back in. But I think the midfields match up really, really well. I think Geelong can curtail Alir Alir's influence because they've got so many options up there with Tomahawk and Jeremy Cameron. So Alir Alir is going to find it very difficult to float in behind and do things like that. But um, you've got other standout players. You've got Dangerfield who you know can turn it on and turn it on at Adelaide Oval. He's done so in the past. I'm going to be, if I'm tipping, I'm tipping Geelong in this one because I just can't trust Port Adelaide uh, to get the job done. We'll need big games from Ollie Wines, from Travis Boak. Uh, you need a Lear to perform down there. And the, the main one I think you need, and he can go quiet in games, is you need Charlie Dixon to really dominate. So if Blitzarv and Co can uh, really hold down that forward line down there, I think that Geelong can win. So I'm going with them. Yeah, I like. I love that analysis, Pez. You've done a really great job unpacking that, and I tend to agree. I think that if Port Adelaide are going to win, you know they're going to need to hit. Then they're going to need more of an impact from Charlie Dixon. Last week, we saw that he shut out of the game, and you know it took a, a massive fourth quarter effort for them to come back and even put themselves within scoring shot, even though they were playing the better brand of footy. Georgie Artis out really hurts them. Um, in terms of that other forward, because he stood up last week on that time that he was there. They got Marshall who was injured in that game last week, and you know he he might be a little bit groggy coming into this game but uh, it's going to be a really really great battle I'm obviously tipping Geelong I think that they have had the more consistent year I am extremely extremely worried about that hole in defence and it's not even the defence hole that I'm worried about it's more about how it forms into us going forward because Geelong can become super stagnant and when they become stagnant and they don't have that movement through that back line they really struggle to, to put on a decent score and if they're not winning it out of the middle I just don't see how they're going to get that ball forward. Yeah, well, we saw last last week um, in quarter number two, they really destroyed Melbourne and then they tried to slow it down a little bit and it just didn't work because Melbourne ran all over the top of them. So uh, interesting one tonight and hopefully the listeners have got something out of that little analysis there.
Hopefully they did. All right, we get on to the next one, the Battle of the Bridge, Pez. And uh, I heard an amazing stat the other day. This is the third time that Sydney and GWS have played each other in a final series um, in, in the only short time of the uh, last 10 years that they've actually been in the league, GWS. So that's a remarkable uh, feat from New South Wales football teams. Um, and congratulations to both of them making it. But we are set for an absolute cracker. Sydney taking on GWS Giants, as mentioned. $1.70 for the Swans, $2.16 for GWS in the Outsiders and Pez. This is exactly the same odds as the Port Adelaide Geelong game, and it's the exact same line. Minus five and a half. The over-under is 155 and a half. Pez, what, what's happening in this game? Oh, there's creepy things going on with these lines because I'm sure the next one you'll say will be uh, very similar, if not the same, still as well. So the first three games I saw had the exact same odds. But um, we talk about Sydney. We've got Brandon Campbell, who's omitted, and Callum Mills is injured. So Callum Mills is a really big loss for them. We've got Chad Warner coming back in and James Bell to come back in. Robbie Fox was the medical sub last week, so we'll see if he's the medic sub this week. Probably not the best choice, Mr. Robbie Fox, but we'll see what Sydney do. Whereas GWS, they get really, really strong. Briggs is omitted. Uh, Byrne is omitted. Kennedy is injured and O'Halloran is injured. So in come Tom Green, you know, that beast in the middle, Shane Mumford and Sam Reid as well. So... Uh, they get a lot stronger. I, I think them meeting in a final again, Sydney probably would have hoped not to play GWS. They wanted a bit of a home ground advantage, you know, finishing sixth. They usually get that against the Victorian side or any other interstate club. But for some reason, they're just magnetised to each other. In this game, it, it's a story of uh, the two forwards, I think. You've got Papley and Franklin at one end and you've got Toby Green at the other end, pretty much by himself, ready to go. And whoever can get on top of that can really go. But I can't go past Sydney in this one, Source. I know I know the Giants have, have been impressive in patches, but you, you look at the patches that they're not impressive in. Down to Carlton by 15 points during the second quarter. They just couldn't get the job done. They had to win to play finals, and they, they find themselves down by three goals against the Carlton side uh, with no Harry McKay. So Giants do that, and they... They go, they go off in, in certain games and certain aspects and patches. So they're really uh, a patchy side and a momentum side. So it's really important for them to have Taranto, you know, pop up up forward again. Cali on the wing, Whitfield using the ball well, Mumford being aggressive in the middle. But Sydney, for the season that they've had to come from 16th all the way to 6th, I think that they are just the better side. So I have to go with the better side in this one. Yeah, I'm really torn on this one, Pez, and I spoke to this... Well, do you know why? I'm actually not torn in terms of the football ability. I think Sydney have had the better season. You know, um, GWS have hit form. You know, when they say hit form, they've pieced something together they should have had together earlier in the year. They've hit a a rare form patch where they're actually performing well. Sydney have been the best team in there. They do have um, a concern with injuries, and if they're going in there and we're evaluating the ins and outs, I think that GWS obviously get that bolster into that, that, you know, that... um, to the, to the team, and I think that they will, will actually propel them into, um, you know, a, a situation that they can be in to win it. But I agree. I think Sydney are extremely too strong. I, I can't go past them in this one, Pez. And I'm just going straight $50 on the nose, the Sydney Swans line, 
minus two and a, sorry minus five and a half. I think that is absolute bargain, and I think that um, the bookies have really missed how well um, Sydney have performed throughout the year, and you know a real testament to the fact that is that we really struggled to get an all Australian player in there in the actual Australian squad because they're so well rounded. They've got you know spots around the grounds where they can perform. You know Mills is a huge out for them, but I think they've got enough talent around the ground to, to fix that up. So fifty with Neds at two buck odds pairs minus five and a half for me. A full firing Lance Franklin coming in and playing finals footy uh, against Jennifer's Giants with Toby Green down the other end. Is there anything better? I've gone a price boost at Neds with the three plus leg same game multi. I've gone alternate line over 125, uh, 119.5 points and under 189.5. So it's got to be within that range. And I've gone an alternate handicap Sydney minus nine and a half to boost it up a little bit more. $2.42 odds, $25 on it. And, uh, We'll enjoy that on a Saturday afternoon. We will, Pez. Uh, just before we get in that, we get to move on to the next game and we sort of have a little bit of talk about that. I came across an absolute gem on uh, Tab on Lance Franklin to kick his thousand goals this year. It's paying nine bucks on Tab at the moment. Nine bucks for him to get eight goals with potentially, you say they win this. You know, he averages four goals against you know, GWS in the past. He averages four goals at the venue that he's playing at. That allows him to get four goals and put him within four of getting a thousand this year. What, what do, you, do you think? That's a decent sort of bet, Pez. Oh, I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> I'm not, <I'm> not <laughs> going to go near it for nine bucks. But um, you got to look at the teams they'll play next week. So if they do get the win, they're going to play against a Port Adelaide side or a Geelong side. So um, I don't know what that means in terms of how many goals he can kick, but you know, if he can kick a bag of five, he can easily kick three against one of those sides next week. Yeah, especially if uh, if it's sort of what we talk about gets away, the Bears and uh, Sydney have a bit of an easy win. Both of us saying that they can cover that line pretty comfortably. All right, we get on to first versus fourth. This game shall be an absolute cracker. As we said, Brisbane sneaking into fourth spot uh, with that win over West Coast, and Melbourne sneaking into top spot with that comeback victory over the Cats. This is going to be an absolute cracker, Pez. And as you said, a dollar seventy for Melbourne. $2.16 for Brisbane. The bookies are being extremely lazy. Minus five and a half for this one. Over 153 and a half is your total points. Pez, can Brisbane cause an upset here? Sneak into fourth and pip the Melbourne Demons with their first minor premiership since 1964. Get around the Brisbane Lions. I'm all over them. I reckon that Brisbane can cause an upset here. Melbourne, not so impressive last week against uh, Geelong. And I think they'll be pretty comfortable and excited. You know, a lot of All-Australian Cups this week. Uh, they won the minor premiership. They would have celebrated pretty hard. You saw them after the game uh, down at GMHPA Stadium last week. So they, they got away with one. And they didn't have that strenuous review that they would have had to do. And, you know, get the, the knock on their head to say, hey, tighten up and, and let's do this. We're, we're going into finals here. So Brisbane, experienced final side now after uh, many years. The game is at the Adelaide Oval. It's not at Melbourne's home ground at the MCG. It's a neutral venue as well. So that doesn't help Melbourne. Um, no ins or outs from the Melbourne side last week. Kalamar Cheek and Ryan Lester go out injured. Reese Matheson was the Medi sub. So we'll see if the barometer is the Medi sub again. But in comes Harris Andrews and Mitch Robinson. Uh, and before we get in and delve into the game, I saw a video yesterday. Did you see Mitch Robinson's announcement? No, I didn't actually. So he, he's going on and he's saying, I've played this many games. I've played this many for Carlton. He's got the whole Brisbane Brisbane Lions there. I've, 
I've gone through all of this. I've been through injuries. I love the Brisbane Lions. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I consider myself a Brisbane Lion for, for life. And I, I do have to announce, and it, it felt like a retirement speech. And then he goes, I do have to announce I've signed on for one more year. Yeah, so, uh, yeah the barometer. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Mitch Robinson, uh, I love watching his stuff and his passion uh, for the Brisbane Lions. It'll be good to see him run around again. And him being in that side this week, I think they will get up and about these Brisbane Lions. Yeah, I, I agree, Pez. I'm um, I'm actually when you we haven't actually spoke about this about who we were picking and who we think we we're gonna take the chocolates in this one. But uh, I'm with you. I think Brisbane have hit form in the right uh, part of the season. They had a really rough start to the season, having to be out of Queensland when they were doing all their hotel quarantine. They, you know, they, they lost the first three games and they didn't look in, in great sorts. Then they got it all back together and then Harris Andrews went down, Pez, and they sort of had to restructure things. They've started hitting form at the right time. I know that they haven't been beating teams in the eight, but not only that, this is their third crack at it, Pez. This is their third time that they've finished with a double chance. The first year they went out in double sets. The second time that they they advanced to, the, to one win away from a grand final. They've got the finals experience. They've got a decent list there. I think they can get the job done. I am worried about Melbourne, um, you know, the finals experience and, and them, as you said, we saw a couple of years ago where they, you know, they made it and it was a decent while ago, Pez. It was five years ago that they actually um, last hit the, the final series where they finished uh, remarkably fifth and they beat uh, not only Geelong, but then they also took over, um, I can't remember who they beat the second time, but then they got flogged by West Coast. I, I would be really worried for Melbourne fans. I think this is going to be a really contested, quite uh, close game. But I think Brisbane have what it takes to, to beat them. And um, not not discrediting what Melbourne have done this year. They've been a great side. And if Oliver can, you know, get the pill like he has, because he is made for finals football, I just worry where their goals are going to come from, Pez, because I think Harris Andrews in that side really, really strengthens that back line. And I just don't see where Melbourne are going to get their goals. No, you look at it on paper and uh, you are missing Eric Hipwood, but Daniel McStay has played a really pivotal role for them up forward. You've got Danaher who's playing some really good footy since Hipwood left. You've Cameron that can pop up for a goal. Cockatoo's been there. Lincoln McCarthy has shown that he's a he's a known goal kicker. Zorko can go up there. Zach Bailey, even from the middle, great link-up player. McCluggage on the wing, who's an all-Australian calibre player. Uh, Harris Andrews into that defence, as you said, really, really good. Lions and Neil in the middle as well. Uh, and with Robinson running around, Berry on the on the wing and Rich, I think they've got uh, enough to win the contest in the middle, go forward and try and pick apart uh, the strong defence that Melbourne have with Stephen May and Jake Lever, the two All-Australians from this year. But I think others will be able to pop up and hurt Melbourne on the scoreboard and they won't be able to do the same thing to them down the other end because uh, Brisbane's defence will stand up. So... I've actually got two bets in this source and uh, it's not the rules, but I, I put my first bet on. I put my three-leg same-game multi on and I put, uh, and then I realised I had a bonus bet from last week, which I couldn't <laughs> let expire. So I've just uh, gone ahead with both of them and uh, you can't say anything about it. So I've got Lincoln, Mc, Lincoln McCarthy, anytime goal scorer. Hugh McCluggage, 20-plus disposals. Brisbane, plus five and a half. I went with Ned's, uh, but I didn't do the price boost because I didn't have any left, obviously, because you only get two. So uh, $2.88, $25 on that. And my bonus bet with Tab, $25 stake on Brisbane head-to-head at $2.10. 
Love that bet, Pez. And uh, I'm doing something very similar. I'm going to Ned's and I am putting all my money into uh, a range of different things that we spoke about. The goal kicking aspect, I think that um, I've actually got two bets in this one too, Pez. I've broken the rules for this one as well. And uh, as you said, oh, there you go. It you works. can't say nothing about it at all. I haven't broken the rules because <laughs> one of them is my cheeky. And I'll get to that one in just a moment. But I've gone a three leg same game multi. I've gone uh, Brisbane Lions plus five and a half. Joe Danaher to kick a goal as well as Joe Danaher, Joe Danaher sorry, to kick two or more goals. That gives me odds of $2.97, and I've done my price boost. I can't talk, Biz. Uh, <laughs> with that, that boosts the odds up to twenty. Sorry, up to $3.13, and I've whacked 25 on that one. Now I get over to something, Pez, a little bit more... Uh, cheeky! And this one is really cheeky, Pez. Um, and, you know, basically, if one bet wins, the other bet is winning because I've gone with my little hack that we spoke about last week. And I've whacked 25 on this one, Pez. I love this bet. Joe Danaher to score two or more goals. Joe Danaher, anytime goal scorer. And him to kick the most goals in Group 1. That gives me odds of $6.75. I've whacked 25 on it, 168.75. I love that bet because I think the defenders down there cannot contain Joe Danaher. We saw it last week, him get loose. He just needs to make sure that he's accurate and that bet is definitely going to pay out. Mate, if there's any defenders that can contain him, you'd hope it would be the two All-Australians down there for Melbourne. But Nope. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see how we go there. Um, yeah, that's uh, your little hack there. I like that little goal kicker hack when, when you've got the insurance because if they kick two but they don't kick the most source, you do get your bonus back. So... I like that. And we've got one more game on the Sunday afternoon. We do. This one is going to be an interesting one. Both teams have, uh, one team has fallen from grace, spending the whole year basically in the top four and finished fifth, which is still a really great effort. And the other one has limped home into a final, trying to break an amazing drought of over 6,000 days without a finals win. We, of course, are talking about the Essendon Bombers. Western Bulldogs taking on the Bombers, $1.55 are the favourites with the Doggies, 247 for the Essendon Bombers. $1.90 gives you a minus nine, nine and a half line there, Pez, and the over-under is 155 and a half. Oh, here we go. Uh, every supporter in Australia, barring Essendon, is hoping that the Bulldogs can get this job done just because we want to keep the streak alive. Essendon haven't won a final since 2004, 6,100 and something days. Uh, you've... You've just got to, there's nothing better, no streak better at the moment in AFL footy. And all the Essen supporters that I know source, they're up and about. They're ready to go because they just beat the Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and they're ready to go down in Tasmania there, which I'm not sure which club it suits, if it suits Essendon or if it suits the Bulldogs uh, down there. So I'm a bit sceptical, but they, the bookings actually did some work with this because they didn't just put the same odds. I wish they did and they gave the Bulldogs $1.70, but $1.55, as you said, um, I think the Bulldogs being in the top two, so not just the top four source, but the top two most of the season, uh, getting everyone in their path and getting some big 100-point wins against St Kilda and North Melbourne uh, during the year. Uh, they're missing Josh Bruce and uh, whatever it might be for structure and, and things like that. But they've had a month now to work it out. They haven't been too impressive. They finished fifth home final against an eighth finishing Essendon side. I think the, the lists, Trelaw's back. Trelaw is uh, he's, he's ready to go. Um, he's been playing for a couple of weeks now. We've got three ins. We've got Gardner, Scott and Riley West for the Bulldogs. I think um, I don't think any of them will play. 
extended bench. Because <laughs> we've got the extended bench. And we've got Col- Coldwell, Gleason, and Phillips for Essendon. And I don't think any of them will play either. So uh, interesting to see if they go in unchanged. And we'll find out uh, tonight, actually. when Or tonight or tomorrow, I'm not sure, whenever they uh, announce that for this final. But I think for the season that they've had, the Bulldogs have to win this. And for the rest of the fans out there, we want to keep the streak alive, keep hope alive. I can't believe I'm going for the Bulldogs as hard as I am because uh, I wouldn't mind usually if they lose, but <laughs> we can't let Essendon win a final. Yeah, it's so funny, Pez, in this game. I'm happy with either team wins, to be honest. I'm happy because the Bulldogs, you know, if they if they win, they keep the streak alive for Essendon, um, which actually, you know, is what we've been saying all year. It would actually be better for them to miss the finals this year because they are starting to build towards something great. And if the Bulldogs uh, get beaten by Essendon, that's even sweeter that they spent the whole year at the top and then they uh, go out in straight sets. So I love that. But I think what you, you touched on there about uh, the Bulldogs being a, um, you know, the top two side all year, you can't deny that, you know, you've got a 15-win side, Pez, with a, a, a percentage of 132 playing an 11-win side with a percentage of 109, and six of those wins came in the last eight weeks. So, realistically, if you went back six weeks ago, you're looking at a uh, a very differential in terms of the quality of side and a, and a sample size across the whole season. I think that the Bulldogs are going to be too strong. They've got too many weapons to beat you. Josh Bruce has been an, a massive out, Pez, and I know that you talk about how he doesn't kick um, goals, but what he does do is he allows the Western Bulldogs to work, and that's how they've been successful this year without a genuine full forward who's kicking lots of goals except for when they're playing North Melbourne. And that has been the big, big problem that they've had. Surely they've worked it out now. You started to see some things against Port Adelaide, um, the, of them working it out. They'll review that game, they'll fix that, and they'll smash the Bombers, I think. Uh, well, Josh Bruce has kicked goals this year. He kicked, what, nah. 38 goals if you don't count the <laughs> North Melbourne uh, game. So 48, finishing equal fifth, I think, in the, in the Coleman there, but... Um, you can't count that North Melbourne game with the, with the 10 plus goals there, but they've got too many stars around the ground. They're, Peter Wright kicked seven goals. And if you don't know who Peter Wright is, it's two meter Peter. Two meter um, Peter. With his nickname. He kicked seven goals straight against the Bulldogs. That is not happening this time. Nope. And they only won by 13 points. So the Bulldogs, way too strong. Dunkley, Trelaw, Hunter, Caleb Daniel at the back, Aaron Norton up forward, Liver in the middle there, uh, Bonds and Pally, McRae. Need you say anything more? They're a lot stronger. The only players that they do need to really worry about contain is letting Darcy Parrish off the hook. He can be damaging going inside forward 50. And Jake Stringer, who, who if he had a tank, he could be one of the best midfielders in the comp because the way he goes for the ball and gets those clearances in the middle, he leads to a lot of SNN scores. So the Bulldogs will be putting in work there. I think the Bulldogs win this pretty easily. I've gone with Neds. I've gone McCray to get 25-plus. He got 37 disposals against them last time. Liver to have 20-plus because it'll be a contested game in the middle there, um, Tasmania. And the Bulldogs, minus 9.5, $2.54, 25 on it. That's that's perfect, Pez. I love that bet uh, because I've done something not similar, but I am all over the, the Western Bulldogs. I think that line is way too short. I spoke to um, actually messaging Finster online earlier in the week, who's a massive Essendon fan and has not been happy with the show. He thought the line should be sitting about 20 and a half, and that's where I've gone, Pez. I've gone to Tab, pick your own line. I did my research. I found the best value with Tab, 16 and a half line, and I get crazy odds of $2.25 there. And I love that, Pez. I love that. So I'm whacking uh, 25 on that one, Pez, to get the job done. No insurance, no needed, because as we've seen in the past, when teams limp home into finals, 
They generally get smashed the first week, and Essendon, that's what they know how to do. So I'm predicting a big win for the Doggies. Big win for the Doggies. There you go, yeah. We've been through all four games, Sauce, and you might notice um, you've done your cheeky and I haven't. I did, so I'll push that button for you, Pez. Cheeky! I didn't know which game to do it in, so I thought, why not all four? So here we go. We've got um, some some really big odds here for my cheeky source. We've gone very cheeky. Uh, in tonight's game, one of my legs is Carl Amon to get under 22.5 disposals at $1.94. I think uh, Geelong will try and tell his impact because he uses the ball really well heading inside 50. So under 22.5, Carl Amon to keep the dream alive. The next one is Jake Lloyd to get 25 or more disposals, sitting at $1.28 by itself, Source. My next one is Brisbane, not just to win, but to lead wire to wire, lead every single quarter. So come out, guns blazing from the start, lead at quarter time, half time, three quarter time, win the game. That's $4 by itself. And then I've put a little same game multi together for the Sunday. I've put the Bulldogs half time line minus four and a half and the Bulldogs full time line minus nine and a half. That's $2.40 as the same game multi by itself. But you multi them all together on top of each other. Gives me odds of $23.83 and I've uh, chucked a cheeky 10 on it. Cheeky 10 on it, Pez. That is a little bit cheeky. Is that classified as your multi for the round? It is not. I've got a multi as well. <laughs> You're breaking all the rules, mate. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> we don't play by the rules here behind the boundary. I am going to stick to the rules, Pez. But uh, you could say my uh, multi for the round is a little bit cheeky because I uh, like the idea of the insurance and I went for a tab special. They've got um, a AFL and rugby one. If you combine four or more legs, AFL or NRL, you get your bonus back if one leg loses. But I thought, you know what? Stuff that. We're an AFL podcast. I'm putting all four on tab, and I'm going with all four prediction pairs. Geelong, Sydney, Brisbane, and the Doggies, $25 on that one at odds of $12.40. One leg fails and money back, but don't have to worry about that because that is all going to go bang, 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 and we're going to see more celebrations from our media manager. Oh, mate, I hope it gets up because I've got the exact same multi. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Did you get the same odds? <laughs> No, I've got odds of $12.77, actually. What? We've got here Port Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne, and Bulldogs. $12.77. I've chucked 25 on it. Oh, that's rubbish because I told you about the special. Then you put it on. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit rough there, Pez. Uh, now, what we normally do with our uh, podcast, we put on, uh, we don't always put on, but we always mention something that we have seen that it catches our attention in terms of future markets, where it be a premiership, a top two finish, an exactor, a Quinella. We had a bet last year that we didn't even know what it was and it got up. Um, and also teams to get most disposals, maybe most goals. Have you looked at any futures that have caught your eye, Pez? Yeah, Sauce, a bit disappointing this year in terms of uh, what's available. We've got the stage of elimination and you can choose when a team's going to get eliminated. Yeah, your finals, extra markets, uh, you've got the most disposals and most goals. I'd actually go for the favourite here, Jeremy Cameron, to kick the most goals because they're probably likely to play at least three finals, win, win or lose tonight. Um, so that's probably where I'd be heading. I think for Brisbane, if we think they're going to go deep, I think they've got too many options up forward to be able to get someone to kick the most goals. I don't think uh, a Ben Brown or a Bailey Fritch is going to get the job done. The other one is if they can win the first two games is Aaron Norton, bit of value there at $12. But I'm um, interested to see where you go. You know what? I wasn't going to have a bet, but I'm going all in because Brisbane are uh, playing against Melbourne. So um, Melbourne, stage of elimination, who would they play in the second round? They play fifth 
versus six, the Bulldogs. So if Melbourne get eliminated in the prelim final, that gives me $2.30. I'm going to chuck 25 on that. <laughs> I love how uh, researched you are, Pez. Literally talked uh, <laughs> through the punters, the mind of Pez, <laughs> and one of the reasons that he's 7% behind overall for me because he just doesn't care. He's reckless with his money. Uh, I did a little bit more research in this, Pez. Um, I, I like the way that you went through looking at who the teams are playing because if you're looking at individual markets, you're looking at teams that are generally going to play three games, whether that be the first final, or sorry, the elimination final, then they're playing the qualifying and then making it on to the grand final, or you're looking at one of the teams to lose the first week from the top four and get three games, or they end up with four games then, but that's what you're looking for. Teams that are getting three or four games, and as we said, I think Brisbane will knock off Melbourne, which will give Melbourne three games minimum, and I'm going with Clayton Oliver for most disposal. He is the favourite. That has come down to $5.50 pairs. I jumped on earlier in the week and got this at 7 bucks, and I love this bit because he is a player that is made for finals, and there aren't many players in this final series that I think can average 30 disposals in a final, and I think that Clayton Oliver can the way that he plays. They're going to want it. They're going to get probably three games, I think. They lose tonight. They'll beat uh, who they'll end up playing there. They'll play. They'll probably beat the Doggies next week, and then they'll lose the third week, and he'll average probably about 30. So there's 90 disposals, and none of the other teams, I think, have got a player like that. Yeah, fair enough. You really, you really like that uh, stuff. Your research source because uh, <laughs> what you just said is Melbourne get eliminated in the prelim anyway. So I, I would still win. There you go. <laughs> winner, winner. All right, Pez. Where can all of our loyal fans find us uh, and get on the social medias? Well, we have to get on the socials at Behind the Bound, and that's where we we speak about all our emojis source and. Uh, there's been an interesting development because we, we are still going to do the coin toss. So we've got one more little segment to do um, before we finish up here. So at Behind the Bound to, to jump on there. Let's get that coin toss going. It was a toss of the coin. That fight wins the toss. Yes, it's been an unusual uh, year for coin tosses. Mate, the coin toss, we have it. Um, four to three last week, Sauce. So I caught up another one on you, but I'm two behind. Yep. And we don't have many games left. And by the sounds of our bet slip, <laughs> we're going I don't very think I'm going to catch you this week. No, I don't think so. Considering all the lines are the same, pairs, I'll just uh, do it this way, okay? So the lines for Port Adelaide, Geelong, Sydney, GWS, Melbourne, Brisbane are five and a half. Who are you heading with? <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, let's have a look at those games because you're not doing it one by one. I'm <laughs> oh, going to go Geelong, down, Sydney and Brisbane. Yes, and I'm doing the exact same as that, Pez. Geelong minus five, uh, sorry, plus five and a half. Sydney minus five and a half. And Brisbane plus five and a half. I've left it open, Pez, because this line is a little bit different. Western Bulldogs taking on Essendon. I think we both know where we're going with, but I'll give you a chance to uh, catch me. Minus nine and a half for the Doggies. No, I'm, I'm on the dogs, so we're going to have the same score um, and head into next week with only five games to go, and I'm going to be two points down. Oh, so that's going to make very a interesting. thrilling finish, Pez. Hopefully there is no f- uh, thrilling finish tonight, Pez, but we have thrilling finishes for all the other games because I'm super looking forward to cracking a couple of bevies, sitting down on the couch, putting my feet up, and enjoying finals football. Let's get into it. Let's get to finals footy. Uh, make sure you jump on out behind the bound, follow us, get along. Best of luck in your punting. I'm Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys. And as always, bet responsibly.